0: that I was speaking, we talked about uh, just the challenge to follow Jesus. uh, And when he said to be baptized, to follow Jesus by being baptized in water. And I thought I might get some emails back about that or some texts or whatever. And I did, but none of them were like scary, like I kind of anticipated. Uh, But there was a number of questions that came up, and I just wanted to touch on those this morning for for a little bit, just because... um, uh, you may have those questions as well. Some were asking, you know, well, when should I be baptized? Uh, do I have to be a more mature believer? They, they weren't sure, like, w- w- you know, how long do I have to wait after I decide to follow Christ? If you've put your faith in Jesus, if you trust that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and you're like, I'm following Jesus, in the book of Acts, and we study that, we realize, and all we see there is that when people put their faith in Jesus, and they got baptized that day. So if you've been... Uh, following Christ for more than a day, you, you, it's, it's, it's long enough. You can, um, you can be baptized in water. And it's just a public declaration that I'm following Jesus. And the next question that came up as a result of this conversation was, well, well I still sin sometimes. You know, I'm like, that's, uh, that's an interesting point. You know, can I get baptized if I still sin? Yes, because that's the point. That's Jesus came to die in our place because we can't live perfect. If you wait till you're perfect, you just be waiting forever. Uh, none of us that have been baptized were perfect when that happened. And that's not the point. It's, it's saying, I can't do it. I can't live perfectly. I trust that Jesus did it for me. And then another question was asked was, is, this, is that how I joined Kingsway? Is that how I joined the church? Uh, yes and no. Uh, yes, you've joined the church by being a follower of Jesus, but that's not Kingsway. That's his big family. You've joined the church on the planet, the gathering of Jesus' followers, uh, by uh, by. Putting your faith in Christ. Uh, so, so yes, you've joined that. But no, there's not. It's not how you join Kingsway. We're not really here to build Kingsway. We want to just build the the body of Christ wherever that may be. Uh, and so, if you've come to Kingsway. You're already joined. We just assume that you're with us. So if you're here, you're part of us, whether you like that or not. So welcome. Uh, and if you have questions on baptism, please give me a call. We want to we want to walk through that journey. And, and every time people call, they say, oh, I know you're so busy. I'm never too busy for that. Maybe at like one in the morning or two, but, but most normal times, just give me a call. We'd love to chat more about it, help you take some of those steps. And so this morning, I want to talk about another baptism that's mentioned in in, uh, by Jesus and many of the New Testament writers. And for those of you who are Jesus followers today, uh, this is a great reminder for me and for you. Uh, it's not exhaustive this morning. We don't have enough time to cover the whole thing. It's like the tip of the iceberg. It's like the drop in the ocean. It's a little taste to kind of wet your appetite for more. Uh, and as we've been talking about, you know, water baptism and this baptism, it's not a formula. It's not like, okay, you know, okay, I said a prayer, then I get water baptized, then I get, you know, another baptism, and then I start giving money. In the offering, then I volunteer. Then I get bored with church, and then I go find another church somewhere. Right? Like that's not that's not like this formula progression. There's just encouraging you to take steps um, in your faith. And so this morning, what I want to talk about is something that I see lacking in many Christians' lives, and I see it in my own sometimes. I see it lacking in my own life sometimes, and it's this question: um, Are you passionate about your uh, faith? Are you excited, enthusiastic about being a Jesus follower? You know, when people ask you at work, you're like, hey, you go to church? He's like, yeah, you should join me. Or it's like, oh, we don't talk religion and politics at work. Which is your response? So you can be passionate. Passionate is, the, the definition is this. For those who can read, I put it up there. And for those who can't, I put a picture. So passion, uh, an intense desire or enthusiasm for something. Uh, that's what passion is all about. And like you can see in that kid's face, it's just like, ah, oh, whatever their parent is holding, they, they are passionate about that. Um, are you passionate? You can be passionate about anything, really. I'm Some passionate about weddings, you know, planning their wedding, or I'm going to a wedding, or maybe for you it's cars, uh, or shoes, or the Leafs, which was in my notes from a couple of weeks ago, and not anymore, but you can be passionate about coffee. Uh, you can be passionate about anything, and this next video kind of shows that. So this is an old video I was reminded of. You may not like it, but I love it, so we're going to watch it. You just want to keep pushing yourself. You want to see how far you can take it. How long you can stand the heat without killing yourself. Everyone's stuck in a rut, man. We just got tired of the same old thing. No. No lid. Yeah, I am willing to die for this. I mean, I don't want to, but no liding is a way of life. It's how I became a man. Extreme coffee drinking is the ultimate, man. It's just the ultimate adrenaline rush. Yeah, you know, I got these sissy sippers coming up to me all the time saying, you're crazy and you have no fear. I've had third degree burns over 75% of my lips. We're no litters, man. (laughs) It's what we do. It's who we are. Look at that, man. Hey, look at that. Superheated to 450 degrees. No lid, no coaster, wobbly desk, and the most important stack of papers I've ever done for this company. Woohoo! Adventure, baby! That's why we get out of bed in the morning. To be a normal person, have a normal cup of joe, that didn't work. There's no risk. There's no adventure. What's life without adventure? To all the other no-litters here, uh, you can be passionate about anything. It really is a choice, something we decide that we want to be passionate about. And so, are you passionate about living out your faith? Um... Some days I would say, yeah, there's those days where I am. And other days, mm, I'm not so sure. Maybe you see people and you're like, wow, they're like inviting people to church. They're talking about their faith everywhere. And uh, I don't know. I, I just don't have that. So this morning I want to talk a little bit about that. And it's, it actually ties in with this word baptism. The word baptism... Um, First shows up in the early New Testament writings. Uh, Luke, there was a guy named Luke who was a historian. He uh, was also a physician. And so he went around to the eyewitnesses of Jesus. He wasn't an eyewitness follower of Jesus, but he went and found as many as he could and said, tell me the stories. Tell me and give me all the details because I want to make an accurate account of what this man Jesus did. And so they said, well, it happened. It started before Jesus. There was this guy named John. And John was um, the guy, they called him John the Baptizer. He was in the Jordan River and he was telling people, come, repent, be baptized of your sins, and and huge crowds would come to see this. Because uh, before that, there was a ceremony where if you wanted to uh, join something or or if you were taking a vow at the temple, you'd get dipped in water, coming in and out. There was this baptism thing, but but nobody, yeah, the people would do that individually. The, 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 this whole idea of somebody baptizing other people was so new that people were like, we got to go see this. And so crowds would go the 20 kilometers down from Jerusalem down to the Jordan and watch this guy baptizing people. And many of them became baptized as a result. Well, whenever huge crowds got around in, in that time frame, people had in, in, uh, in, in uh, Israel had been waiting for a Messiah, a Savior. And every time they saw crowds gathering around, one person thought, M- maybe, he's, maybe he's the guy. And so we see that happening this, uh, in this story as well. In Luke chapter 3, verse 15. You can follow along. It says everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon or the Savior, and they were eager to know whether John might be that Messiah. And John answered their questions. They asked him, "Hey, are you the Messiah?" And he's like, "No, I baptize you with water, but someone's coming soon who's greater than I am. He's so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire." And so you see, John mentions a couple things here. He says, "I baptize with water, but someone's coming who's baptizing much cooler. He's baptizing with fire," and that. Word word bap- baptize? It's a Greek word. It's, uh, it's the Greek word for it. It's called baptizo. Want to speak some Greek? So try it with me. Bap- baptizo. 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 So we transliterated that word into English. So that's why they sound so similar. But there's a couple words for that. One, was, one word was bapto and the other word's baptizo. Bapto is kind of like the, the idea of dip. Like you dip a chip in some sauce and take it out or you dip something in, in uh, fluid and take it out. The other one, baptizo, the word he's using is like a, a sunken ship underwater. So for for this 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 idea of it, what it goes under, it stays under. So when we do baptisms, we do bapto, water baptisms, dip in and out. We don't do baptizo for obvious reasons, right? So, but but this is what Jesus was talking about. That he, and John was saying he's going to baptize you. He's going to immerse you uh, in um, in there. That it's this thing of I'm committed. I'm completely in. Uh, The best definition or description of these words, the best way to understand them, doesn't actually come from the Bible. It comes from another Greek writer, a a, a physician and a poet. His name was Nicanor. He uh, lived around 200 years before Jesus, and uh, he liked pickles. And so he wrote this recipe for how to make pickles, and he uses both words, and it gives a great definition. He said this, that in order to make a pickle... The vegetable first needs to be bapto, needs to be dipped into a solution, and then it needs to into into vinegar, and then it needs to be baptizo, or sorry, dipped in boiling water, then baptizo, or um, in, in vinegar. So both verbs concern the immersion of a vegetable in a solution. But the first is temporary, the bapto, the second produces a permanent change. That cucumber is no longer a cucumber, it's pickled, it's something different as a result. And so, when Jesus was talking to the crowds, he's, he would say to them, Hey, uh, this immersed life, immersed life in me, is something that, that I'm calling you to. And so, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew writes down this, this moment where Jesus is talking to a crowd. We've found different translations of it in English. There's one called the message translation, not word for word, but here's the thought of what Jesus was saying. And he says this, and I, I encourage you to listen. Real carefully this morning, as if this was you on that hillside, and Jesus was saying these words to you, he said this, Are you tired? Yes, I'm saying. (laughs) Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Do you feel like like church and your Christianity is like, I'm trying real hard. I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to do my Bible study. I'm trying. I'm really trying. And you feel like, oh, it's a little bit draining. Is that you? And Jesus was saying that to them, saying, hey, are you tired of like, going to the temple and trying to, trying to make up for sin and trying to do all this stuff? Are, are you tired? Are you worn out a little? Then he said this. He said, notice all the yellow. All the yellow mentions me. He says, come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, because Jesus' message was always about him. Come to me, follow me, learn from me, abide in me, remain in me. Remember some of the stories, I'm the vine, you're the branches, stay connected to me, be immersed in me. And and as people were listening on that hillside, many of them did decide to do just that and said, you know what, Yeah, yeah, I'm going to follow this guy. And they would follow him around and they would be where he was and they would stay connected to him. Do you know what we call those people? Disciples, yeah. We called them disciples, people who were connected to Jesus. Uh, and they, they immersed their life in him. Where he went, they went. And you know the thing about immersion that's kind of interesting? Immersion's a really great way to learn stuff. You know, uh, when I was a kid, I was taken out of school. I didn't play well with the others, so they homeschooled me. And my parents said, hey, we want you to learn a foreign language. And, and I was like, okay, do I get a choice? I'm like, well, uh, we want you to learn French. And I was like, my French teacher in school, I disliked her very much. Uh, and so as a result, I've disliked the French language as well. And so I was like, I want to learn something different. Like, and they're like, okay, pick something. And I was like, i pick Spanish. And so my mom gave me a book and handed me this book and said, all right, you're going to learn Spanish. And I opened the book and I began to learn all the important stuff. Like, hola, donde esta el banjo, which uh, loosely translates hello, where is the bathroom, right? I need to at least to have the important stuff. And then I learned like things like buenos, buenos dias, buenos tardes, buenos nachos, which means good morning, good afternoon, and good nachos. I didn't know that until I went to, and I traveled to Venezuela, Colombia, Guatemala, and I realized they'd laugh at me and say buenos nachos. And it's like, I think I'm saying good evening. And they're like, yeah, he's not, right? And so they would, um, they'd chuckle, but then they would teach me. And then, and as you're as you're as you're communicating, as you're listening, as you're hearing, as you're forced to interact with people on that level, you learn it really quick, really really quick. You know, hola, mi nombre es Marcos. ¿Cómo está? Está bien. And ah, and you just you, you begin to pick up on things. You the, as you as you go through um, life, it's no longer school. It's like, man, I'm living it. And for what I see with many people is, Christianity feels like school. This is Christianity. It's like, you know, ugh. Yeah, I'm learning, but oh, I don't know. I don't get it all. It's so confusing. Well, Jesus had the same thing with his disciples. And just before he died, he waited till the very last minute to explain some of the most important things. And you can read about this because John wrote it down. John spent from uh, the, the last six, six or so chapters of his, of his letter, he spent all of that on one night. You know, the first 13 chapters or 12 chapters of John are all about Jesus' life, his you know, life and ministry. And then you got... One night. And he spends, it takes incredible detail of that one night. And here's what happens. The guys are sitting together with Jesus. They're having the last supper. Jesus knows he's about to be uh, crucified. And so he's like, hey guys, Judas has left already. They're a little confused about that. And so he says, come on, we're going to go out to the garden to pray. And they know where they're going because they've been there before. As they're walking to the garden, that area where they're going to the Mount of Olives, between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives, there's a whole lot of vineyards there. And you can picture as Jesus is walking with them, this is where he tells them, he's saying, hey, you see those, you see those vines? He's like, I'm, I'm like the vine, and you're like the branches. You know how, you know how grapevines, they don't do so well if they're not connected to the vine? Like, yeah, they don't grow anything. He's right. Stay connected to me, he says. Stay, abide in me, remain in me, and you'll bear much fruit. And so they're like, okay, Jesus, we'll stay with you. We're going where you're going. He's like, okay, but I'm leaving. And they're like, okay, we're leaving too. He's like, no, but you're staying. Are, are, we going with, are we staying with you or are we staying here? He's like, you're staying here. But Jesus, that's, that's not going to be good. He's like, actually, it's going to be better for you. I want you to stay as witnesses. You tell people what you see and what you hear. And it's actually better that I leave. Here's what he says in John 14. Verse 16, he says, you know what? I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's like, I'm leaving, but I'm gonna, God's going to send somebody to you who's never going to leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him, doesn't recognize him, but you know him. Like, how do we know him? You know him because he lives with you right now. He's like, I'm him. I'm him. He, he's right here right now. And you, you know what? Later, he's going to be in you. It's going to be better because right now you're with him, but soon you won't have to be with Jesus anymore to be with Jesus. And they're like... Uh, we don't have to be with you to be with you. It's a little confusing. And then Jesus tries to use some words to explain it to them. He's like, okay, track with me here. I'm Jesus, the son. I'm God in a bod. I'm God in a body on the planet. Then God, the father, that's God in heaven. Okay, and Holy Spirit who's coming is God in you. God in you, God in you. And you can just imagine Peter and John like, God in us, God in us in us. Okay, I get it now. I don't have to be with Jesus because he's in me. By his spirit, he's in me. And they're a little bit confused. Like, you know, we're not sure about all this. And maybe some of you are like, I don't get the whole Trinity thing. He's like, don't try to understand it. You'll know when you know. You'll know when God is in you. And so Jesus died. He rose again. He ascended to heaven. He told them, you know, you go wait in Jerusalem until it happens. And so that's where they were. They're hanging out in an upper room waiting. Luke actually writes it down in the book of Acts, describes the moment when the Holy Spirit first came. And they said, it was like they knew. They knew. They said in Acts chapter 2, it was like wind filled the whole room and there was fire everywhere. And they were like, God's around us, but God's in us. And they, they realized something changed in them. Something had changed on the inside of them in that moment. And they had been scared of, of the people who had crucified Jesus. And they're hiding out in this upper room. And then all of a sudden, this happened. And they're like, you know what? We're telling everybody. You know what? You killed Jesus. You better say you're sorry. Because God raised him from the dead. And then they go to the next guys. And they're like, yeah, you guys are the actual ones who put him on trial, false trial. You killed the son of God. you know that? He's like, God raised him from the dead. You put your faith in him. And, and it's like, who are these people? Something happened to them. They became so bold. Do you know what they realized? That the promise, I know it's awkward that I'm back here, but that's okay. You know what? It's, it's when Jesus came to the planet at Christmas, they said it's going to be Emmanuel. What is Emmanuel? God with us. And they got it. They understood it. They're like, we can go and do anything because we've got God with us. Do you have that this morning? Do you have that thought of, yeah, I have God with me. What, a, what do I have to fear? I have God with me. Well, Jesus told them, when that happens, you'll know. And you know what happens as soon as you know? You're going to leave that, that place and you're going to go all over the map. You're going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. You're going to make other disciples. And it's exactly what, what happened. If you read 2 Acts, they started in, in Jerusalem down there in the corner. And the Holy Spirit, it says, was poured out on, on them in that room. And they were filled with Holy Spirit. Then they began moving up the, the coast there to Caesarea, which is just a little bit, a little bit further up. That's where they went, and there's a guy named Cornelius, and he was a Gentile. And uh, it says that, the, that the, the Holy Spirit was poured out on his family as Peter was talking to them. And after that, they got water baptized. So you don't have to be water baptized first and then filled with the Spirit. It doesn't, it's, not, it's not a formula. These, this just steps, things that people uh, took in their walk with Christ. Then it says they went to Samaria, the place that nobody liked. You know, it's like the the people hated Samaria and Samaritans, but they went there in Acts chapter 8. They were baptized with water, and Peter and John pray for them, and they receive Holy Spirit. So they're baptized, filled with Holy Spirit, receive Holy Spirit. Then it talks about in Ephesus, which is way over there. It just continued to spread all the way up to the middle of the screen. Ephesus, real place. Paul, it says this in Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, a man named Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. It's on the coast. And there he found several believers. He found several disciples. These were, these were people who said, we're going to follow Jesus. And he asked them in verse 2, did you receive Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We hadn't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. Maybe that's you this morning. You're like, yeah, I go to church. And yeah, I like, believe Jesus died for me. But I, I mean, I know there's a Holy Spirit. But I didn't, I didn't know that he's supposed to be a, like, in me. So then he asked them, well, what baptism did you experience? And they said, well, we experienced the baptism of John. And Paul said, well, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, because they knew that John had said it, remember? You know, you're going to be baptized. He's going to baptize you with fire. They right away... Um, were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they got water baptized again. And it says in verse 6, Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. And there were lots of believers that this happened to. Lots of followers of Jesus all over the Roman Empire. And they would put their faith in Christ. They would receive Holy Spirit. And then they'd start gathering around together like this. They'd be more in circles than in rows like this. But they would... Uh, they would get together and, and Paul and Peter and John would write them letters saying, you guys are far away, let me explain a little bit more about, about who Jesus is and what it means to be baptized with Holy Spirit. And a scroll would arrive and they'd be like, okay, let's read this. I'm like, wait, 90% of us can't read. Somebody read this to us. And somebody at the front would, would unroll the scroll that, that they had written. And they would read these, these letters to them. And then after they would, they put the letter away and they would send it off to the next um, home where there was followers of Jesus gathering. And one thing that kept coming out in the letters was this. We want you to be baptized with Holy Spirit. And it's not the same BAPTO. It's not the same idea of just being dipped in the water and come out. We want you to live immersed in a life with Holy Spirit. And, and they wrote it multiple times, this thing that would be ongoing. See, because as, as I left... Colombia, Venezuela, Guatemala, and I've come back here. That's years ago. You know what I also left in the process? My ability to speak Spanish. Because as you drift away from that, that that, that stuff, it it drifts away as well. And for some, that passion you had for Christ, you're like, we've drifted away from that somehow. Paul, Peter, John, they all wrote and they said this thing. They said, hey, it's something you need to be continually immersed in. It's like you've got to be living in it in the moment all the time. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes it this way. He says, verse 18, he says, "them Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. That's a whole other message. But don't be drunk with wine. It will ruin your life. Instead, in comparison, be filled with Holy Spirit. He says, you know what? When, When people are under the influence of alcohol, they do things because they're under the influence of alcohol. He's like, that stuff just, that just messes you up and other people too. He's saying, but the same as that. He says, why don't you be under the influence of Holy Spirit? Let him affect how you speak. Let him affect how you treat others. What, what would your life look like if you were under his influence? You know, he said, you need, and it was this idea of be filled, be continually filled. Why do we need to be continually filled? Because we're, 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 we're like a colander. We're not like a bucket. It's not like when, when you are, are excited about Christ, that that's going to be enough. He's like, we leak. And it's supposed to be, as he puts Holy Spirit into your life, it's supposed to flow through your life to other people. And then you feel a little empty, like, God, I need you to fill me up again. And he does. And it leaks out to other people. And God, I need you to fill me up again. So he says, that's the life to be living intentionally. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes to the Galatians, another group of people in verse 16. He says, I say, let Holy Spirit guide your life. To the Ephesians, and be filled. To the Galatians, he said, let him guide your lives so you won't be doing what your sinful nature uh, craves. He's like, walk in the Spirit is kind of what that, that translates. And continually walk in the Spirit. You know, I pictured as a kid following your dad in the, in the deep snow. It's too deep for you to walk in. But as long as you can get to his next boot step, you can make it through same idea. Holy Spirit is like, you you know, it's tough. It's tough navigating life on this planet. So just look for my next step. But God, I want to know, I want to know the end. You know, like, God, show me who I'm going to marry someday. Well, you're seven, you know, or like, God, you know, I want to know what my my job is going to be or whatever. Just tell me that stuff. And he's like, we'll get there. You just take one step at a time. I, I, take this next step. You take the next step, you'll see the next one. And he says, you know what the result will be of if you just begin to say, God, what's your next step for my life? He says that as you do that, you won't actually fulfill all the desires of your flesh, all the cravings of your flesh that you're trying to stop. He's Some are struggle with addiction, struggle with bad habits, struggle with things. You're like, oh, why do I keep doing that? See, we, we, try and, we try and legislate that and we try and put, put laws and rules around our lives. And it's, it doesn't really work, does it? It's like, I, I just can't. You know, it never worked. That's, not why, that's not, not why we were ever given rules. And for some, you're like, I thought becoming a Christian was a, my life. I was going to be a better person. That's not, that's not how you get there, though. Um, you know, it's like Jesus, when he said, hey, he didn't come and say, hey, here, follow the Ten Commandments. Why? Because it didn't work. He's like, you just follow me. And by following me, you'll actually live out the Ten Commandments. Just follow me. It's really, really simple. If you would just focus on me, not your efforts. Paul wrote to the Romans and said it the same way. He said, uh, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Just following Holy Spirit, that's what sets you free from trying to keep all the rules. Because on our own, we, just don't, do very, we, don't, we don't do well at it at all. You know, for some... Some think that the evidence of Holy Spirit in a person's life are supernatural experiences. And as we read, you know, sometimes it is. Sometimes when people are baptized or filled with Holy Spirit, you know, they're speaking in tongues or there was prophecy or whatever. There's these incredible moments. And it's true, but, for, but, but what I see is oftentimes those are kind of like those dipped-in moments. It was like a moment in, in, in time, uh, a moment in your life where, where God was moving through you and ministering to someone else or ministering to you, and, and then that moment's over, and you're, you're in a better place, the other person's in a better place. But you know, you're not walking around speaking in tongues. You're not like going to the grocery store like, talking in, in different languages, and people are like, well, that guy's a freak, right? Like, that's not going to win the world. What he, what he says, I want you to be immersed in me. And, and you know, the greatest power of Holy Spirit, the greatest evidence of Holy Spirit's power is a changed life. People who are like, I used to be, but, but I'm not anymore. Like Kristen shared, I, I was really scared last time I went through this, but I'm not anymore. Why? Because I know I got God with me. He wrote it later in Galatians and saying, you know what? You, if you're filled with, led by, you keep in step with Holy Spirit. If you're immersed, if you live this way, the results are these, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's like, you know what? These are the results. He's like, this isn't the new Ten Commandments. We just have nine now. You know, be more loving, be more patient, be more kind. How many of you have tried to be any of these? You know, how many of you want more joy in your life? You want more patience? I'm, patience is a tough one for me. You know, and it's usually, you know, your spouse is the one who lets you know when you don't have enough patience. And so then you're like, or your children, yes, I see those hands. And then you're like, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and be more patient. Have you ever tried this? You're like, yes. I'm you, like you pray even, God, please give me more patience. And all you get is more opportunities to reveal how impatient you are. Your kids are just extra annoying that day. You know, it's like, oh, I just, I just don't have enough patience. I'm going to try and be more patient. What happens? You just get Irritated. Why? Because we, it was never this idea that we would try and be more, that, but simply that those things would grow in our lives as a result of just saying, Jesus, just help me focus on you today. Holy Spirit, help me follow you, be led by you. Would you fill me today? Just focus on being filled with and led by and, and keeping in step with Holy Spirit. It's the result. So we kind of wrap up today. The purpose of today wasn't to give you a lesson on Holy Spirit. That's not what this was about. Because that's the temptation for me, and I believe it's a temptation for all of us, is that we would sit here and we would hear stuff and be like, okay, now I know some more stuff about Holy Spirit. That's good. I got some verses I can read when I get home and I can know about. So I was preparing for this. That just came so clear. Mark, don't, don't just try to know more about Holy Spirit because you'll miss the point. The point is that you would know Him. Don't be focused on knowing all about and miss the opportunity to know Him. I was reminded of this. My wife, for those of you who know her, she is an amazing, amazing woman. She loves the Word. I watch her... You know, before, before some of the kids are up, she's there studying studying the word for herself. She studies so she's strong uh, in her walk with Christ. She studies it so she can teach other women at Bible study. And many of you have been a part of some of her studies. She teaches our children to memorize scripture. She teaches them hymns and songs of worship. Uh, and she's, she continues to encourage that in them. And then she does the same for your kids as well. She's downstairs somewhere right now teaching your kids about what it's like to have a relationship with Christ. She loves others incredibly. She's one of the most self- Less people that I know, and I'm a great contrast to that, and that's why I see it very, very often. Um, Amazing, amazing woman. She's super generous. You know, I can't count how many meals and pies she's made that I don't get to eat because they're going to some of your houses. You're eating my pies. You know, she's super caring. She's so generous uh, in the way she cares for people. She began making beanies for children with cancer and just saying, I want I, somehow to make a difference in this planet. She's hilarious. She, she's, oh, she's a prankster. She loves to laugh and loves to see others laugh. But above all of it, she's just simply an amazing friend. And I described that, and she had written some other things I could say, but I won't. <laughs> she is an amazing, amazing person. And for those of you who know her, you know that. But for those of you who don't know my wife and you just heard all of this, you know, just because you know that about her doesn't mean that you know her. Maybe by hearing this, you're like, well, I really want to know her. I'd like a pie. <laughs> right? So the thing this morning is, is Holy Spirit is, is so much more. He is the, the strength that you need when you're facing tough times. He's the hope when it feels dark all around you. When you're alone and you feel by yourself and the doubts come in, he's the one on the inside who says, no, no, I'm going to lead you into truth. We've got this. You are never alone because I am with you. See, Holy Spirit, for many of you, you're like, "I I could really use some more love in my life. I could use some more joy and some patience and kindness in my relationships. He's the one. He's the one that you need. It says in him, we, we have everything that we need. And so this morning, is just this, this thought that maybe for you it would whet your appetite a little to say, you know what? I, I want to know him. I really want to know him. I would be to be filled with him. And for you, it's, it's individual. It's not a group thing. It's just individually intentional saying you saying tomorrow, God, would you fill me? And for some For all of us, I guess, the thing is that Jesus doesn't desire us to just be baptized in water. He wants us to live an immersed life, an immersed life in him, because it matters. He says, you know what, same as he said to to Peter, don't worry about everybody else, you follow me. So this morning, if you feel it in your heart, you're like, well, what is everybody else going to think? Don't worry about everybody else, you follow me. He said the same thing to me. He's like, Mark, you teach this, but don't worry about how that happens out there, you follow me. And you're like, well, okay, well, well, how? Last thought. Let me leave you with this last thought. It's from from Jesus. Jesus' disciples were often asking him, Jesus, you seem to have this thing figured out. How do you do it? And here's, here's what they had one day said, Jesus, we see you pray, and that's different than how we pray. Can you teach us? And he taught them the famous prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be. So you know that part. Do you know what happens next? Yeah, but after amen, do you know what happens after that? Here's what happens. Luke 11. Jesus continues to teach them about prayer. And he says to them, he says this. He says, you want to learn how to pray? Let me tell you. He says, I tell you, keep on asking. Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. And Many, when you read that, you're like, that's what I'm doing. Jesus, give me that Ferrari. I'll keep praying for that Ferrari. I'll keep praying for that raise at work. I'll keep praying that 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 boy's gonna notice me. I'm praying that, that she got my marriage planned out and it's gonna be awesome, whatever. You're like, I'm just keep praying. I keep asking, keep knocking on that door. It's gonna happen. And Jesus is like, just in case you think that way, let me tell you a little bit more. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. You're like, yeah. Everyone who seeks, finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You're thinking, yeah, man, it hasn't been answered yet, but I'm just gonna keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. My prayer is going to be answered. Then he says this, verse 11. You fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? How? No. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course you don't. And then he lets you in on what the whole idea of keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking is all about. He says this, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, the the thing is, we got our ask all wrong. He's saying, hey, I'll just keep asking. You know, don't ask for more patience. You're just going to get more opportunities to be impatient. Don't ask, you know, for more love. You are incredibly loved. Don't ask for more peace because you're just going to end up in storms where you're going to have to have some peace. He says, the thing is this, ask for me because it's all about me. Keep asking for more of, of, of me. Uh, you want to be passionate about following Christ? You want your faith to be bold? You want to have that, that thing of saying, you know, when you meet people and talk about faith, it's right there. The words are on your tongue. Ask him to fill you. You want to understand his word rather than just open it up and be like, uh, now nah, next week. Ask him, he's the one who leads you into truth. Do you want love and joy and peace and patience in your relationships? Ask him, would you keep on asking him every day? Would you stay immersed in him every day saying, you know what, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Would you just fill me with you? It's as simple as that. And like, how do I know when it's gonna happen? Can I tell you something? You'll know, you'll know. It's not gonna be this like, it may not be this massive event that happens, but I promise you'll know. And, And here's how, here, let me just leave you with this. Two weeks ago, there was an ice storm. None of you showed up when I preached this message the first time. So uh, that's why I did again today. <laughs> but, but two weeks ago, I did share this message with 12 people on a Saturday night. And I asked them this question, would you go out and would, tomorrow morning? Would you just start tomorrow by saying, Holy Spirit, would you, would you just fill me with you? So I don't know if they did, but I did. I took myself up on the challenge and I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Sunday was canceled, Monday wasn't. So Monday I had an appointment in Welland and I went to Welland. On the way there, I went through Dunville. I went past this store and I thought, huh, I should go in there later and check for lumber and for some flower pots. It was home hardware. And uh, that's all, it was just a thought. I went to my meeting as I was driving back. I was like, yeah, I do need some flower pots. And I stopped in there. As I walked into the store, I uh, noticed that they sold lumber. And so I went to the lumber section. I, I said, I'm building a house. You guys want to give me a quote? And they're like, sure. And so they took me. They said, you need to talk to this guy. I got to his corner office. And as I went in, he's like, hey, this guy wants a quote on lumber. And, and he says, oh, I'm getting busy here. Here's my e card. Here's my email. Just uh, send that to, to me and, uh, and it'll be fine. And I was like, OK, no problem. I took his card. Then uh, the other guy said, yeah, but he wants to know about Fusion Stone as well. And he's like, oh, Fusion Stone. Let me just walk you over there. So we took a stroll. We walked over to the Fusion Stone department. He's like, here's Fusion Stone. And then we just began talking a little bit. And all of a sudden, something, something dropped. And for some reason, we began talking about church. And then we began talking about faith. And we began talking about Jesus. And for 35 minutes, we stood there by Fusion Stone talking about Faith in Christ. He said, "I went to church and stuff happened, and I just I haven't been, you know." He's like, "There's something in me that knows that there's still I I miss that connection with Christ." And he's like, "I I, I kind of know." I was, we started talking about that at the end. He's like, "I don't, probably can't give you the best deal in lumber." I'm like, "I don't think that's why I came here today." He said, "I was telling me and telling me about his family who are atheists and his the difficulty he has in that." So it's like we we ended our conversation. I I drove home. I think they were closing the store or something by that point. So I drove I drove home and. And uh, as I was on the way, I remembered a series that I'd heard about reaching atheists for Christ. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to send that to him. So I emailed him. I emailed that to him. And he responded with this. He says, Mark, you know what? He says, it's been a while since that's been uh, a, an opportunity for me to talk about that. He's like, He says, I noticed some things in your drawings. I'd love to talk to you about that. But he says, would you come and, and talk to me? And he says, can we just set aside some time to talk about Jesus as well? Well, guess where I went the next day? See, is in that moment, I've passed hundreds of people in home hardwares all the time, but God wanted to talk to that man in that moment. And it wasn't that I had to talk to him, it just had to be that opportunity to be willing. We've had conversations back and forth via email and on the phone as a result of simply just saying, God, help me to be open to see who needs to hear from you today. It wasn't me, it was him. But how many people do you pass every single day that you don't even realize that God just wants to drop love in their life or realize, hey, you've been away for a while, but I haven't forgotten you. And I'm just gonna send someone your way Someone your way to just drop little seeds of, hey, God still loves you. It could change a life. So tomorrow, would you take it up on that challenge to go and say, God, would you fill me with you? Would you fill me with you? I just got a text. It might be my wife, so I guess we're done. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your incredible love for us that you sent Jesus to save us. But thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to live in us just really, really incredible. And God, today, we need you. We need you more than more than ever. Father, I pray that for every person, as they go from this place, just simply asking you to fill them, would you just do that? Would you fill us with you? As we go from this place, we would take you, wherever we're going, to our families, to our workplaces, that they would see you in us. They'd see the joy. They'd see the love. They'd see the peace. They'd see the patience. They'd see the kindness they'd want to know the author of all of that. God, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to do this together. I pray your blessing over this incredible family as they go from this place. In your name, for your glory, above all, with you. Amen.